Hello and welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're always so encouraged to know that God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please send a message to lifechange at hopecityonline.net. Now, let's prepare our hearts for a powerful message out of God's Word. I'm convinced that God's got a word for you this morning because God has had a word for me all week long and you're gonna get the overflow of that this morning. So sit back, buckle up, get ready because God wants to teach you something in a powerful and unbelievably clear way. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to open them up to the book of Psalms, the Old Testament book of Psalms. If you're not familiar with the Bible or you're new to this whole church thing, here's what I want you to do. Just flip to the middle of your Bible. Literally just open it up right to the middle and you should be fairly close, if not right, in the middle of Psalms. We're gonna be in Psalms. Psalm 106, Psalm 106, and, um, and I'm just convinced that God is going to do big things through the power of his word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to bless our time together. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your graciousness and your goodness and your mercy in our lives. And we recognize and we fully understand that every bit of it was made possible through the sacrificial death of your son on the cross. We don't take that lightly. He is able to call us out from the grave because he walked out of the grave. He is able to raise us to new life because he died a death that we deserved to die. And God, we recognize that everything that we experience in this room this morning, everything that we take away from this this time together this morning is a result, a direct result of the work that your son poured out on the cross. The reason that there's power in your word, the reason that we experience the power of your presence when your spirit moves in our midst is because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And we don't take that lightly. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. We lift it high. And God, we believe and we claim in the power of the promise of your word that says, if the Son of Man be lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. God, we want to be close to you this morning. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your heart. And we want to be different than the way that we walked in this place. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Psalm 106, picking up in verse 4, the scripture says this, remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come to my aid when you save them, that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones. This is a prayer to God from the psalmist asking for blessing and asking for provision as one of God's own children. That I may share in the joy of your nation and join your inheritance in giving praise. Now watch this. He's going to go back and explain what has taken place in the lives of the children of Israel And it's so important for us this morning to look back on what God did in the lives of the children of Israel to understand what God is doing in our lives this morning. Not just corporately as a church, but specifically and individually as followers of Jesus. It says, we have sinned even as our ancestors did. In case you didn't know, this applies to you. You have sinned. You've messed up. You've made mistakes. But greater than that, you've turned your back on God when he was in pursuit of you. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've done wrong and acted wickedly. 
Watch this. When our ancestors were in Egypt, enslaved in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They didn't remember your many kindnesses. And they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake to make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea and it dried up. He led them through the depths as through a desert. He saved them from the hand of the foe, from the hand of the enemy. He redeemed them. The waters covered their adversaries. If you've ever watched that old movie with Charlton Heston, or maybe you've watched the new one with Christian Bale, when you see Moses leading the children of Israel across the Red Sea on dry land, when they come out on the other side, this is what he's talking about. He's talking about God covering their enemies, covering the Egyptians in water. The waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them survived. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise. Isn't it Ironic that for thousands of years, all the way to now, it's really easy for us to sing the praises of God and believing in the promises of God right after we see a move and a work of God in our life. When God moves, when God does his thing, when God steps out and does what only he can do, we love singing praises. We love lifting our hands. We love getting excited about the new creation that he has called us to be. But what about when he doesn't? What about when he doesn't cover your adversaries with water? What about when he doesn't lead you across on dry land? What about what happened later to the children of Israel? And that is him leading them out into the wilderness to suffer. Scripture says this, they soon forgot what he had done. So many people I know as followers of Jesus, they walk into church, they get excited about hearing this this, um, message of hope and reconciliation and redemption. And they sign up and say, yeah, I don't want the old me anymore. I'm tired of the old me. I'm done with the old me. Tears fall down our face. We get down on our knees before God and we say, we want to sing your praise with our life. We want to walk in your promises all of our days, but soon... We forget who it is he's called us to be and what it is he's done for us. Soon they forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. In the desert, they gave in to their craving. In the wilderness, they put God to the test. So he gave them what they asked for and sent a wasting disease among them. In the camp, they grew envious of Moses and of Aaron Maybe uh, you can't relate to this, but I can. There's a lot of people in my life who have a relationship with God that I'm envious of. There's a lot of people who walk in step with the Spirit, who understand their purpose in the world, who are living out the design that God has placed on their life. And when I look at it, when I see it, when I hear them talk about it, I'm excited for them. But if I'm honest, I'm jealous of where they are because it's not where I am. And it's where I want to be. It says that they were envious of Moses and of Aaron, who was consecrated to the Lord. The earth opened up and swallowed Dathan. It buried the company of Abiram. Fire blazed among their followers. A flame consumed the wicked. At Oreb, they made a calf and worshipped an idol cast 
from metal. They exchanged their glorious God for the image of a bull. You know why that is? Because they had forgotten about who it is that God had called them to be and instead reverted back to what they had seen when they were slaves in Egypt. It's the same reason why you and me, even though we're new creatures, even though we've been called and commissioned and made available to become a new creation, it's why we begin reverting back to the old ways of living. Because we forget who it is that God has made us and called us and created us to be. Why? Because they were in the wilderness. Why? Because we are in the the wilderness. We signed up for the promised land, but because we're not in the promised land, we were begin reverting back to what we knew when we were enslaved. They forgot the God who saved them, who had done great things in Egypt, miracles in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. So he said he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to keep his wrath from destroying them? That's exactly what he would have done. Then they despised, watch this, the pleasant land. When they finally got to where it was they were going, because of all the struggle and strife and difficulty that it took to get there, they weren't even appreciative of where God brought them from. They did not believe his promise. They grumbled in their tents and did not circle this word, highlight this word, underline this word. This is the word we're going to be talking about for the rest of the morning. Obey the Lord. So he swore to them with uplifted hand that he would make them fall in the wilderness. I don't know about you this morning, but I don't want to fall in the wilderness I know where God has saved me from, and I know where God is taking me to. But just because I'm not where it is he's taking me to, and I'm in the wilderness right now, doesn't mean I need to stop here. I don't want to fall in the wilderness. I don't want to end up stuck and end up making the mistake of the children of Israel and reverting back to the ways of slavery that I knew before. Pastor Brian, last week, talked specifically towards the end of his sermon about walking in the wilderness. And he talked for just a couple of minutes on it corporately. He, matter of fact, he didn't even mention it in the second service because he ran out of time. But he talked about how we as a church find ourselves in the wilderness. And what he meant by that was we had this awesome building that we thought was so great right down Highway 49 where we had a nice big lobby and had real nice restrooms and had a nice big auditorium. And we thought everything was just great and wonderful and God was going to move and work in that spot. And guess what? God took that spot away. God led us away from that spot. And now that we're not where God has called us to yet, now that we're not in our own new facility on our own land, now that we're not where we planned on going, we find ourselves, like the children of Israel, in the wilderness. And he reminded us of something that I want to piggyback off of this morning, and it's this reality. That just because you're in the wilderness doesn't negate the miracle that God did when he set you free from Egypt. 
He reminded us of the fact that even though it stinks right now, and even though it's tough because you're having to meet in a gym with big black curtains, and you're having to set up these chairs week in and week out, and even though it feels rough right now, you need to remember that God set you free from that building known as Egypt, because that building wasn't big enough. That building wasn't going to be able to handle the capacity at which God wanted to take you to where it is he wanted you to go. If you'll remember, the parking lot wasn't big enough. If you'll remember, the kid's space wasn't big enough. See, we forget that stuff when we're in the wilderness. We start looking back on the things we liked about Egypt and forget about the fact that God's brought us out and he's sending us to, but he's doing it by sending us through this season known as the wilderness. And we need to rejoice over that, even though it's difficult along the way. Now, he talked about it. Corporately, I want to piggyback off of that idea this morning and talk for just a few minutes about it personally. If you're taking notes and you're wanting to, to title this message, here's what it's called. Wielding your wilderness. Wielding your wilderness. Many of us make the terrible mistake of wasting our wilderness. And God's saying, no, 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 no. I didn't take you around it. I'm taking you through it. And if I'm taking you through it, I'm doing it for a reason. As most of you know, um, my wife is in Ukraine right now. Um, We're wrapping up an international adoption, and I can't wait for her to come home. I've been praying. I've been counting down the days. The problem is I don't have, like, an actual date to count down to. And so I've just been counting indefinitely from 7, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Then I start over at 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Because I don't want to go past 7 because 7 is the number of perfection. Anything past that is going to be evil in my mind. So I've just been counting and counting and counting and praying for her to come home. I can't wait for my wife to come home. I love my three uh, biological children that I am in charge of here. However, I'm ready to murder them at this point in my life and my wife needs to come home and rescue me in Jesus' name. Right? But I've been trying to do my best to be dad of the year, to be super cool, to have lots of fun, to be engaged, to do stuff that they would enjoy. And so on Saturday... I did what I always looked forward to doing growing up that we didn't get to do very often. But I took my kids to a breakfast buffet. Exactly. I'm telling you, you can't get much closer to heaven than when you walk into a breakfast buffet. It reminds you of the banquet of the lamb, right? There's just bounty galore, right? So I take them to this breakfast buffet. Now, when I was growing up, the only breakfast buffet there was to go to was Shoney's. Anybody remember Shoney's, going to the Shoney's breakfast? That's right. That was real breakfast buffet. That was Jesus' breakfast buffet, But now we have to settle for Golden Corral, and that's fine. That's fine. It ain't Shoney's, but it'll do, right? I remember at Shoney's, they had the cheese sauce, and you could pour cheese sauce all over your eggs, as much cheese sauce as you wanted, because when you got old enough, you could go and get from the buffet yourself, and your mom wasn't looking over your shoulder, so she would be surprised when you got to the table, but she wasn't going to make you put it back, so you could have as much cheese sauce as you wanted, right? I took my kids to this breakfast buffet at Golden Corral, And what I was not aware of was the fact that even at breakfast, they still have the chocolate wonderfall running, right? I didn't know that. I thought that was like a lunch and dinner thing because who has chocolate for breakfast? And so I just, they didn't make any sense to me, but apparently a lot of people have chocolate for breakfast. In fact, there was a line at 9 a.m. for the chocolate wonderfall. Some people need Jesus, right? And so, so we show up to eat our breakfast, And my kids 
gaze immediately moves to the chocolate wonderfall. They immediately become enthralled with the chocolate wonderfall. They start thinking of all the different breakfast items that they can dip in the chocolate wonderfall, right? I mean, I hear my, my, my middle son Carson say, I wonder if we can put our eggs under the chocolate wonderfall. And I'm like, that's, that's disgusting. But in his mind, it was heaven, right? And so they get so consumed with this chocolate wonderfall that they're not interested in anything else. And so I said to them, being the responsible dad that I am, I said to them, you can have something dipped in the chocolate wonderfall, but here's the, the, the deal. Before you can go to the chocolate wonderfall, you got to eat normal, regular, healthy breakfast first. You got to go to the fruit bar and you got to go uh, to the eggs and you got to go to the grits and you got to go. You got to move, make your way around. You, you can't just jump straight to the chocolate. You got to eat a normal, balanced breakfast first. You would have thought I was Hitler in the lives of my children. You would have thought that I'd ripped away their hopes and dreams of a preferred future. You would have thought that I was evil, that I had no love for them in my heart. You would have thought that I was a terrible human being when I told them they had to eat a regular breakfast because 10 feet away, there was a waterfall of chocolate. And that's all they cared about. So we went and got them plates of food and came back to the table and they did that little thing that kids do where they move their fork around but they're not really eating anything. And I forced them to take like two or three bites but other than that, they're not really interested. And I said, look, here's the deal. You've got to clean, and we didn't get them a lot of food. You gotta clean your plate before I allow you to go to the chocolate wonderfall. And my middle son Carson speaks up because he always says what's on his mind. He says, um, that's okay, dad. I'll just eat some frozen waffles at home. I paid money for you to come to a breakfast buffet. I paid money for you to come and experience the boundless goodness of Golden Corral's breakfast. I paid money for you to come and have as much of this as you want. And you want to go back and eat some frozen waffles at the house because you don't want none of this food, right? And it reminded me of how so many of us respond as believers. Now watch this, pay pay, pay very, very close attention. We get saved. We hear that 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says to us that we are a new creation, that the old has passed away and all things have become new. So the deal that we signed up for was leaving Egypt and moving into the promised land. We don't want none of Egypt anymore. We want to go straight to the promised land. We, we want to be completely new. We want everything to be great. We want it to be a life that's flowing with milk and honey. We want everything to be exactly as it should be. But then we find out that before we can get to the promised land, we got to walk through the wilderness. We got to grow. We got to struggle. We got to learn some lessons. We've got some things that we've got to get reoriented and get right in our lives before we can become the people that God wants us to be in the promised land. And here's what we do we say, well, because I can't have the chocolate wonderfall, I'll just eat some frozen waffles. Because I can't have what it is that I want right now, because I, I'm not moving in the direction that I wanted to go and, and accomplishing the things that I wanted to accomplish, because I can't have what it is that I thought I was signing up for, we revert back to what we had at the house. 
We revert back to frozen waffles. We revert back to Egypt. It's exactly what the children of Israel did. They signed up for the promised land. They followed Moses through the Red Sea. They got out on the other side and they were ready to experience the promised land. And when the promised land didn't show up, you know what they started doing? They started reverting back to the habits of slaves. They started reverting back to what they had seen in Egypt. And many of us become so consumed with what we don't yet have in the future in our walk with God that we give up on our walk with God and end up reverting back to not walking with God at all. The reason that so many of us don't feel like a new creation is because we're expecting the promised land when God's got us in the wilderness. We're wanting things to be great and perfect and wonderful, and we want the life that we see somebody else have, and God's going, you can have that life, but first you've got to be willing to walk through the wilderness. And until you begin to, 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 to give in to what it is that I want to do to you right here in the middle of the wilderness, I'm never going to be able to take you to the promised land. See, I think for many of us, we make this mistake. We make the mistake of assuming somehow we can go around the wilderness and get to the promised land. I made this mistake for several, several years of my life. Recently, as most of you know, uh, because he's talked about it before, Samuel Donahue, our worship pastor, could not be, um, he, he and I could not be more polar opposites in just about every area of life. Um, he's a tough guy. I'm not a tough guy. I shop. He doesn't shop. Um, you break in my house, you can have whatever you want. You break in his house, you're going to get a hole in your head. Right? Um, he, he, he's just a very, very different person than me. But I watched God doing something starting about two and a half years ago in his life that I desperately wanted. God began taking him to places that I desperately wanted to go. God began leading him um, in in certain spiritual truths and down certain spiritual directions that I desperately wanted for my own life. And rather than looking at where God was taking him and modeling my life after that or seeking to try to ask God to move and work and do what he was doing in his life in mine, I became frustrated. I became envious in the same way that the children of Israel were envious of Moses and Aaron. I became envious of where God had him while I was stuck where God had me. And I forgot about the last part of that sentence, the fact that where I was was where God had me. The reason I wasn't where God had him is because God wasn't through teaching me what I needed to learn where I currently was. And so many of us, we come to church and we see people who are so far down the road from us spiritually, we say, I want that for my life. And we go out for two days and we try to attempt to live life like them and we fail miserably and we can't seem to live up to the expectation that they have given us over our life. And so what do we do? Do we keep striving? Do we keep pressing forward? No, we give up and go back to living like we lived in Egypt. We go back to living like we were as slaves before. And God's saying to you and to me, I want to give you The promised land. I want to take you somewhere in the future. I want to move you to a place that you desperately want to go. It's going to require you to stop wasting your wilderness. Stop wasting your wilderness and start wielding your wilderness. Where you are today isn't by accident. 
It isn't by happenstance. Does God want you to stay in the wilderness? Of course not. He didn't rescue you from Egypt so that you would spend forever in the wilderness. But God's got to take you through the wilderness until God shapes you into the person that he wants you to become. In the wilderness, you'll never enter into the place that he wants you to be in the promised land. You'll never become the person that he's called you to be personally and spiritually. And God's saying to you and me, stop wasting your wilderness and start wielding the wilderness that God's given you. So many of us are trying so desperately to get around the preparation that God wants to do in us rather than going through the preparations and become the person or the people that he's calling us to be. And when that happens, we end up making the mistake of trying to work our way around it. And when that doesn't work, we revert back to an old way of living. I want you to remember something, though. The wilderness is not such a bad place to be. The wilderness is not such a bad, I know it feels like a bad place. I know it feels like you're not where you want to be. I know it feels like you got a lot of growth. I know it feels like you got a lot of room to grow. But the wilderness isn't such a bad place to be. I want you to remember this. Joshua was raised up, commissioned, and charged with leading the children of Israel. Where? In the wilderness. The tabernacle, the holy place of God that was built for the purpose of the remission of sins for the nation of Israel. Where was it built? In the wilderness. It wasn't built in the promised land. It was built in the wilderness. Matter of fact, half the stories of miraculous works that you see taking place all throughout the Old Testament didn't happen in the promised land. It happened in the wilderness. And many of us, many of us make the mistake of trying to circumvent or circumnavigate the wilderness. And God's going, no, 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 I got miracles I want to do in your life in the wilderness. I got things I want to teach you in the wilderness. I got some, some, some places that I want you to go and some people I want to shape you to be. But you got to quit trying to get around it and start yielding to the preparation that God's doing in your life right here, right now, today. So, that begs the question, how do we do that? How, how do we become the people that God is calling us to be? How do we walk through the wilderness rather than walking around the wilderness? How do we walk in the new us even in the middle of difficulty and uncertainty and frustrating situations, circumstances, and seasons of our life? Even though we're not where we want to be at. How do we walk through the wilderness than trying to work around the wilderness? And I would submit to you that this is how we do it. And it took a long time for me to learn this lesson, but I'm finally there and I'm really, really good with it. We've got to stop asking God for a vision of where it is that he's taking us. And start asking him for instructions for where he has us. I'm going to repeat that. We gotta stop asking God for a vision of where He's taking us. God, where are you gonna take me? God, what provision are you gonna give me? God, what, what's life gonna look like in the future? God, am I gonna be able to live up to that standard? God, is my church gonna be as big as their church? God, am I gonna have as good a job as they've got? God, am I gonna be as influential as they are? God, am I gonna accomplish the things that they're accomplishing? Are my kids gonna turn out like their kids? God, where are you taking me? Where are you taking me? Where are you taking me? And God's going, it's great that you got a hope, and it's great that you got plans for the future, and it's great that you got a vision for what's to come. 
But you got to stop placing the provision that I've already provided you and the instructions that I've already given you on the altar of what's to come. God says, I want to move and work in your midst. And yes, I want to take you there. But stop asking me where it is that I'm taking you and start asking me what it is that you, I want you to do right here, right now, where you currently are. In other words, and you could write this down. You could say it this way. Stop pursuing a future opportunity at the expense of faithful obedience. Stop pursuing a future opportunity at the expense of faithful obedience. Can I be candid with you just as a church family? If you're a guest with us this morning, this isn't for you. Um, So you can play Candy Crush for a minute and I'll, I'll call you back here in a second. But if you're a regular here at Hope City, I want to talk to you for a second. We had this plan. It was a great plan. We felt like it was a God-ordained plan. And that was to move out of Egypt and move into the promised land. And to breeze through the wilderness over the course of about a summer as a church. We had this plan of moving out of our old facility, break ground on a piece of land for our new facility, and move in without skipping a beat. That was a great thought, great plan. We had a big meeting Showed a big video. People got all excited. We talked about it. We clapped for it. We praised it. We cheered it. And God had a different plan. And his different plan was not to change where it was that we were going. We still believe that's the case. But to change how we got there. Because rather than taking us, rather than taking us, around the wilderness. He's taken us through the wilderness. Pay very close attention to this. And here's what I believe God is saying to you and to me. You want a big building on a big piece of land? Okay, deal. Fill this one up first. You want a big, nice new auditorium where you don't have to set up chairs? You want to be the church that I gave you a vision and a picture of? Cool. Start being obedient with what I've already given you right where you are. See, God's already told us to go and make disciples. God's already told us to go and invest in the lives of the people who desperately need a relationship with him. And trust me, there is a lot of people right here within the sound of our voice here in Harrisburg under the influence of the people in this room that desperately need a relationship with God. Matter of fact, 72% of the people who live in Harrisburg and in like the Bible Belt of North Carolina don't go to church anywhere on Sunday morning. The fields are ripe for harvest. You know what God's saying? I'll give you a building. Fill the seat beside you that's empty right now first, though. And when you're obedient to become the people that I've called you to be, I'll start blessing you with the fruit that comes with that obedience. So, Robert, what are you talking? I'm saying that if we can't invest enough of our lives to invite enough people to fill up a gym, why is God going to give us a big new auditorium? That's the corporate side. Here's the personal side. You want God to take you to that place where he does unbelievable works in and through your life? 
because he's moving in powerful ways that can't be explained by anybody else. You want God to take you there? Start being obedient with where he has you right now. Stop sleeping with your girlfriend because he's already told you. Stop doing it. Stop being envious of your neighbor because he's already told you. Stop doing it. Stop being a bad steward of the resources that he's placed in your hands. Stop doing it because he's already told. If we start being obedient with where we are right now in the wilderness, maybe God will start to lead us through the wilderness and into the promised land. But God's never going to take us to where it is that he wants us to go until we become obedient right where we are. So many of us have squandered the wilderness that God's got us in and we wonder why we haven't walked into the promised land and we get so frustrated that we end up reverting back to our old way of living and God's going, what are you doing? I put you in the wilderness. You're not there by accident. You're there on purpose. Now start being obedient in the wilderness where I've placed you because when I, when I legitimately and specifically start shaping you into obedient followers of me, that's when I'll give you the land that I've promised to your ancestors. God's saying, hey, I'm waiting on you to stop, start wielding your wilderness. And stop wasting what I've given you. I didn't think about doing this, but my cousin Mike, who drives me to church in the morning, uh, gave me this idea on the way here. And so I'm going to use it because it's good. I want you to think about this. We've, many of us have kids over at, um, at Hope City Kids right now. And they're learning about becoming the people that God has created them to be. We got this picture of our head on the way here this morning. Of how big of a shame would it be if corporately, as a church, we didn't get to experience where God showed us that we could go in our lifetime. We sat right here in this gym for the next 20, 30, 40 years. We die off. And the first generation that gets to see the new Hope City Church building that is being utilized for the sake of kingdom growth all over the city of Charlotte is our kids. How big of a shame would that be? Because just in case you're wondering, that's exactly what took place in the lives of the children of Israel. God made a promise to a group of people. He said, I'm going to lead you out of Egypt And into the promised land. And none of them ever made it. He said, well, God broke his promise. No, 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 no. God kept his promise. His people became disobedient. What was meant to be a time of moving through became a time where they were stuck because they couldn't learn to become the people that God had called them to be. And so they never saw the promise of God fulfilled in their life. It was their children and grandchildren who walked victoriously into the promised land. God's going to keep his promise. We get to determine whether or not we're going to be a part of it. God's going to keep the promise that he made to you of making you and shaping you into a new creation. Where all those old things are gone and the new has come. You've been given access to it completely. God's going to keep his promise. 
but you may not get to experience it, not because he's not keeping his promise, but because you're not being obedient to his call. You're not being obedient right where he has you. You know, my kids were so infatuated with that chocolate wonderfall (laughs) that they missed out on some unbelievable blessings. Them jokers had Belgian waffles. They had French toast. Fresh, not frozen, fresh made French toast. They had omelets. Some of y'all are thinking about where you're going to brunch right now, aren't you? They got so infatuated with what they wanted in the future that they missed out on the blessings that they had access to already. God said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that he's already given you access to a completely new way of living, a completely new creation. The old things have all passed away. You can walk completely in the newness of life that God has provided for you. And when you don't, here's why. It's because you're wasting your wilderness. It's because you're not where you want to be, so you start looking back to where you were. So here's the the gut check question for all of us in the room this morning. Because how we respond to this personally will ultimately determine how our church moves forward corporately. Don't forget the fact that the Hope City Church is not an entity or an organization. Hope City Church is a body, a body of believers. And as the health of the body of believers goes, so goes the church. What are you doing in your wilderness? So you don't have the relationship with God that so-and-so's got. What are you doing about it right where you are? So you aren't experiencing the blessings that so-and-so is experiencing. What are you doing about it right where you are? Not where is it that God's taking me down the road, but what is it that God's instructing me to do right now that I've yet to be obedient on? then we have the audacity to get mad at God when God doesn't open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings. Hey, pay attention to this. This is really, really, this is, this is good. This may have been what you walked in here for this morning. We get mad at God for not giving us what we want when he's not the one withholding from us. We're the ones withholding from ourselves because we won't be obedient to the things he's already given to us right where we are. So what are you doing? With your wilderness. Are you squandering it? Are you wasting it? Are you giving up on it and turning back? Are you trying to work your way around it? Or are you walking through it? Are you walking diligently through it? Are you asking God what he wants to say to you, what he wants to do in you, how he wants to shape you in the middle of it? Because until we get to that place and until we get to that point, where we begin wielding the wilderness that God has placed us in, we'll never experience the blessings of the promised land in the future. So for many of us this morning, that's the question we need to ask. Why don't I feel like a new creation? Why does it feel so difficult right now? Why am I struggling so much right now? Well, it's because you're not in the promised land, you're in the wilderness. And ultimately, the question you need to ask is, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? And what obedience is required of you to move through it? God's already given you access. I paid for my kids 
They had access to the full buffet. They missed out on it because of their stubbornness. And they ended up eating frozen waffles. I don't want frozen waffles. I don't want our church to eat frozen waffles. Can I be honest with you, though? I see a lot of people in our church who are settling for frozen waffles because they can't have the chocolate wonderfall. And God's going, no, 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 no. I need you to start being obedient and experiencing the blessings that I want to give you right where you are. Let me pray for you. God, we are people who are in desperate need of a reminder of your salvation. We are in desperate need of a reminder of your faithfulness. Because God, for so many of us this morning, if we're honest, we're walking in the wilderness and we've forgotten where you rescued us from. And we're so consumed with where we're not yet that we've completely missed out on what you want to do where we are. So God, our prayer and plea to you is this, that you remind us of who you are consistently. And our commitment to you would be this, that we will be obedient to whatever it is you're calling us to right here, right now, today. God, help us to see specifically what it is that you're calling us to where we are and give us the courage to be obedient. And we'll give you the praise for it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And the church said...